welcome to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Get ready to hear God, encounter the supernatural, and discover your destiny. Doug is a prophetic speaker, author, and coach whose message of love, hope, and having fun reaches people around the world. Connect with him online at DougAddison.com. Hey, friends, welcome to another Spirit Connection podcast. Doug Addison here. You know, God is moving beneath the scenes, behind the scenes. He's moving all the time. It's very important not to get discouraged. God has your interest. He's got your back. He's got your front. He knows exactly what's going on. And all the stuff we're seeing in the world right now is not a surprise to God at all. We have to keep the faith, be encouraged. That's why I do what I do. And for a number of years, you know, I came out of an extreme darkness situation. That's what I say. I had received Jesus a bunch of times earlier in my life, but then I had actually gotten really deep into the occult. I had gotten deep into, to uh, let's just say I backslid at the highest level it could possibly do, and I fell into some deep, deep darkness. But in 1987, the Lord began to speak to me and call me back out of the occult, out of drugs and all types of things. I'd known the Lord earlier in my life, and he called me from extreme darkness into his extreme light. And I had a radical encounter with Jesus, and in 1988, I gave my life back to him, and I said, you know, I'm not sure what this is going to look like, because I've tried to follow you a bunch of times. Maybe that's your case. I always said I was born again, I was born again, I was born again. I finally wrote a song called Born Again Again. But you know what? This time, something was different in my life, and I began to get in touch with the Holy Spirit. That's what I needed. I needed the power of the Lord to help me overcome the things. Now, if you've had things against you, maybe you've had difficult times all your life, don't be discouraged. That's actually a good sign. There's a high call of God on your life because why else would Satan work overtime on you unless you have an amazing high calling? And that was the case with me And I had fallen away from the Lord, gotten in a bad place. But the Lord moved in my life, 1988. I'm coming back around, and I discover and get filled with the Holy Spirit and the spirit of prophecy, which had actually always been there. I didn't realize it because I was born with the gift. But the spirit of prophecy came on me. I remember sitting in my bedroom praying, and it was 1988, and I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me because I was saying, speak to me, Lord, what's my calling? Speak to me. And I heard Isaiah 61, that still small voice inside said, Isaiah 61. I didn't even know if it was 61 in Isaiah. I found my Bible, opened it up, and I was stunned because it was the very calling Jesus used in Luke chapter 4. But when I read it, I wept because it's my life calling. And maybe you could have this too if you don't have one. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom to the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I wept and I wept. I tell you, it was a time because I was thinking, wow, man, I had been a mess. I was a meth addict and, you know... Here, God is taking someone, and maybe you didn't have an extreme story like mine, but maybe you had different things, or maybe you know someone 
who does. He was he was taking someone who had been in darkness and says, you know what? I'm going to use you to help people be set free from prison. Now I had to get set free from prison first myself. I remember calling my pastor up and he was kind of freaking out because I'm thinking, this is it. I'm called to preach the gospel. You know, when can I start type of thing? And uh, he was like, hold on there, you know, but at least he knew how to work with me. And I went on from there and began to do the things that I read in the Bible because I was I was sitting there praying. Wow, God, you told me my destiny, Isaiah 61. Now, I read the Bible and I saw that Jesus said this. I was in prison and you did not come to visit me. I was in the hospital. I was sick and you didn't come and pray with me. You know that parable that he talks about that. He said, whatever you do for the least of these, my brothers, you do for me. And I was thinking, wow, there's where I can start. The Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I began to go and visit people and pray for people in the hospital who was sick that I knew, maybe from church or whatever, even from work. And I went up to my pastor, and I asked him, can I uh, sign up for the jail ministry? Because that's what it says. Jesus said, I was in jail, and you never came to visit me. And I signed up for the jail ministry, but they said, oh, well, you really haven't been a Christian long enough to be part of that. So I said, put me on the list, you know, for for being a Christian long enough. And in the process of this, this was so wild, because that was the county jail ministry. And I agree, I needed to be a little bit more mature, you know, because I had just came out of darkness. I had a lot of zeal, and I was still quite a mess. But within a couple months, because I heard the Lord say this, the Holy Spirit said, you're going to be ministering to people in prison but they wouldn't let me go to the county jail. So then I ran into a lady at church and she said, you know, uh, maybe you'd be interested in visiting some people that I know on death row San Quentin. They can't have a meeting. They're stuck in their cells all the time and you can go visit them one-on-one. I did. I, I signed up with one guy and got approved, started a process of two years visiting people on death row and, and praying for them that not in a church service or anything like that it wasn't a program it was just led by the holy spirit so i told the guys at the county jail sorry you could take me off the list you know i'm now going to death row and it was so wild i learned so much about god's grace and his goodness i also read another verse that said true religion is taking care of widows and orphans well what happened is my sister who was married with five children, her husband died. She becomes a widow. She has orphans. And so I begin to minister over in her area where she lived. And, and I noticed something that was all kinds of widows on her street. And if you want to have a widows and orphan ministry, all you need to do on Saturday or on your day off is go over with a toolbox. And that is true religion. So I cut my teeth on doing the gospel, doing what Jesus did in such a raw place, and I learned to care for the outcast. Now, that's been my calling for a number of years, is the outcast. When I met my wife in 1995, we got married, we had a calling to start churches geared towards people who were considered outcasts, who might have been wounded by religion. So that's been our our goal and our ministry the entire time. So we started doing outreach, and we started launching dream interpretation teams and and prophetic teams that went all over the world. And one of my callings in my life is to help people who were like me, 
were really cast out. And so uh, years later, we've kind of perfected it a little bit more and, and have done a lot of things. But now God is moving one more time. We are in a time right now where sex trafficking, pornography business, I mean, things are going beyond proportions right now with evil. But I tell you, God is moving in the midst of all of this. And I don't uh, necessarily have a ministry right now in this area, but I have friends who do. In fact, I have a special guest that I'd like to bring on, and she's a friend of mine for a long time. We did outreaches together way back 2002 at the uh, Winter Olympics in Park City, Utah was our first one. Cindy McGill is an advocate. She's an author, teacher, conference speaker. She's a really good friend of mine for a number of years, and she is anointed to do things beyond what most people do. She goes into places, into uh, pornography shows, and she helps people get out of the sex trafficking industry. She's got a ministry, uh, and she's got a book, too, What Your Dreams Are Really Telling You and Unlocking the Solutions in your sleep, and she's been featured on radio and TV. But she's a good friend of mine. I want to welcome her to the show now. Cindy McGill, my good friend, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Oh, good. I'm doing great. How are you? Oh, pretty good. You know, we go way, way back, and I was just telling our listeners about the story about how I got started, Linda and I, and how we've had a ministry to the outcast. And then we met you, I think you're in 2002. Maybe 2001. It was. It was 2001. And we did our first outreach in 2002 and to people who were the outcasts, basically. So we've been really sharing a lot over the years. Why don't you just tell people about yourself, your ministry, your family, or whatever? Okay. Yeah. Um, we did meet way back when. I think it was 2001. It was right after 9-11. Two weeks after 9-11. Right. It was. And... um then we did the uh, 2002 Winter Olympics here in Salt Lake City, and we didn't know what we were doing or how <laughs> it was going to go. And we had all these dream interpreters, and we were all real green. At the, I was at that time. I had no clue. Um, I remember taking the John Paul's class, and that class we met in, and I was getting every dream wrong. You remember that? He wouldn't even call on me. It was really <laughs> funny. I, I do I was remember so that, bad, actually. You know? <laughs> And so um, we started with the outreach to the Winter Olympics here in Salt Lake City. It was right in our neighborhood where we're living now. We're moving, of course. but And then we went to Manchester, England. Yeah. Remember that? Because they read about and it. And we did. Uh, Charisma right? Magazine did an article about the outreach yeah. and about you. I, do, I didn't get in right. there, but that was fine. And then the people over in Manchester, England with the Commonwealth Games read it and said, why don't you bring your teams over? So we did. Later in 2002, we went over to, uh, to England. We did. We did. And it was tremendous. And we just had such a – people were so open yeah. and so willing to let us practice interpreting dreams on them. And that's how we phrased it. And they were way open. Uh, yeah. to give us information about their lives that we would have never been able to to do any other way. Yeah, and, exactly. Um, yeah, so it really did work out well, and it just kind of continued on from there. I think from the Manchester, England, just a few of us went up to Scotland after that, and we actually ended up in a park interpreting dreams for a bunch of young kids that were involved in goth 
in the Gothic community. And when we saw him, it was really funny. It looked like something out of a nightmare yeah, know, or one of those horror movies. Like they were all dressed in black and nobody wanted to say anything and they were all huddled up and stuff. And so we went into the park and, and just begin to ask him, do you have any dreams or do you have one that you can't shake off? Or, and this one guy stepped forward. He seemed to be the leader of the pack. And he said, I've had a dream. And he told us this dream about being in a boat full of people on a, on water. And they took him to a deserted Island and they all got off and, and played ball and whatever for a bit. And then everyone got back on the boat except him. And he was stranded on the island and there was something chasing him. And that was my first, then I can remember real specific word of knowledge for him. And I, and I heard the word suicide. And I said, how long have you been suicidal? Because he was all by himself on an island and everyone had left. And he gasped. And everybody else did too. And I broke it off of him, was able to speak a word of destiny, future, hope, encouragement to him. And the rest of the kids opened up at that park. Wow. And in fact, it got dark and they would gate the the park off in Scotland and Edinburgh. And we all had to leave. They escorted everyone out, said no one can be in the park after a certain hour. And these young kids were chasing us out of the park. One girl grabbed my sleeve and said, I'm not leaving here until you tell me what God thinks about me. And uh, it was so fruitful. And there were so many open doors and open opportunities for these young kids who really were not going to go anywhere near a church. They weren't going to go anywhere near someone who was religious or spoke Christianese or whatever. And um, we went back the next day and they were waiting for us. And we were, we had like three nights of just incredible time with these kids. And I just got hooked. Yeah. You know, I mean, I got hooked. I thought we've got to do this everywhere. There's no reason why we would, you know, be okay sitting around. I mean, we pastored, you know, that we pastored for about 35 years. And um, you want people to come to church, but you're like, my goodness, go outside and you just look around and you see all these people that are just starving to death for some sort of truth encounter. Give me identity. Give me hope. Give me something to live for, whatever. Now, that was in 2002. And uh, you have never stopped ever since. And, you know, you've kept going, you've been doing outreaches, you've been developing teams, training the church, just going outside. It didn't matter. I've been really proud of you just the way you, you, you have not stopped and you have not given up. It didn't matter what people said about you, you know, about all those places where you go or anything. And you've just stayed in there with it. So now you've developed a ministry outside of your church. Yeah. And what's that ministry? Yeah, it's um, actually I'm doing Freedom Lounge training and Freedom Lounge is what we developed the theme camp at, at Burning Man, the Burning Man Festival in the Black Rock Desert of Nevada. And um, we went there, I think I went uh, 2004 with another team and then God spoke to me very clearly and said, I want you to raise up your own team and gave me the name of it, Freedom Lounge. I wow. had a prophetic encounter. Yeah. 
I was actually teaching, <laughs> once again, teaching a dream course on an Indian reservation in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and they put me in a casino. And this is before I went to, um, to Burning Man, and I got a download, a prophetic dream, and I had a, an angel actually stand with me in the bathroom the next morning and tell me, I want you to create what I, I thought were prophetic healing circles. And I knew that it was little groups of people, maybe twos or threes, that each had a station for specific need. So there was one to give uh, dreams. There was one to give words of encouragement or words of knowledge. There was one for healing. And there was one for deliverance, which we know now to be um, spiritual cleansing and redefinement. And um, so we begin to use those little circles at the park here in Salt Lake City at the drum circle. And we were so popular. People wanted us every single week. We had a line, lines of people to come in and get an encounter with the Holy Spirit is really what it was. Yeah. So when I got to Burning Man, I created a theme camp called Freedom Lounge. And the Freedom Lounge was just a, a place of community. We call it a positive space or a safe space for you to come. You don't have to be anything. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to act a certain way. You don't have to to do anything. You can come any way you are. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. There's just people who are willing to listen and willing to love. Yeah. And that was really the foundation on where we built this. And uh, we created a menu board that had things on it like um, organic restart. Welcome to your new life. And we had... Um, organic spiritual alignment, which we just allow the Holy Spirit to realign them with him and with God. God spoke to me very clearly and told me we can't speak to them in the way we would a church and what we would say to them in church. So to call God, to identify him by his attributes instead of by his name. And so I would call him mercy and shame taker and life giver and healer and counselor and um, label remover um, and whatever kind of thing that would come to my mind at that moment that I saw the person had need of. Yeah. And as a result, they wanted an encounter with the spirit of truth, who's the Holy Spirit. Right. And we would say, well, this is you. Exactly. Now, just so for our listeners, in case you don't know, Burning Man is is one of the largest pagan festivals that's been going on for decades in the United States, and it takes place at, at Labor Day every year in the desert of Nevada, and uh, our team's been going there for a number of years now. To be honest, I have never gone there, but I've trained teams that go there, because it's not my calling uh, to go suffer in the uh-huh. desert. I actually... Uh, is suffering for me as a uh, four seasons with a broken hair dryer, just so you know. And, but uh, <laughs> we determined something though, and through our outreach teams, we determined that the Holy Spirit would show up in the most unusual ways, and we didn't have to use the language we used in church. But yet, we're having these right. encounters like we would have in church. And so in this case, you know, if you were a missionary going somewhere, you would learn to speak the language, you would learn the culture, and that's what they were doing in that uh, extreme place of Burning Man. And 
and using a language and using a culture, and people were getting racked and rattled with God. But you guys also changed that language at times, right? When depending on where you were, right? We did. I mean, it was. Um, I think, from my own experience, it felt like that the Holy Spirit was training me to follow Him, and He is a skilled surgeon. He knows exactly what to say, when to say it, how to say it. And it was a learning curve for me to shove every kind of thought out of my own mind and listen specifically to how he wanted the person encountered and the words and the language that he wanted to communicate God to them. And when they would be hungry and want more, we would ask them, would you like to have an encounter with the Spirit of Truth, who we know to be the Holy Spirit? And they would say yes. Well, I mean, who doesn't, you know? Right. That was always my thought. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> no, please lie to me, you know? <laughs> so um, we'd say, well, we've had ours, so this is your, it's by invitation, and you just ask Spirit of Truth to come, and he did, and the Holy Spirit would just wave over them, just absolutely. It was like pouring huge buckets of water over their head. Yeah. They would begin to shake, and these are burners. These are people at Burning Man who have no grid for church, for God. They don't even know if he exists. They don't have any desire to fit in to a church of any kind. And they would throw their head back. They would begin to speak in tongues. They would shake under the power of God. And then they would say, when the Holy Spirit was done with his encounter with them, They would say, what just happened to me? Or what was that? And we'd say, well, you just had an encounter with the one who made you. And they go, well, how do I get this? And we go, there's a hookup. And then we would tell them about Jesus. And for me, I would pull the spotlight off of them and I would tell them my own story because that's how you overcome Satan, by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. Yeah. And I would tell them about my own experience briefly, no, not into detail, just told them briefly, this is, the, this is the hookup. And they'd go, can I ask Jesus to take over my life? Hmm. And we'd go, absolutely. Yeah. You bet. Already did. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Already did. Yeah. And so yeah. we and hadn't read would, the book yet, would... right? When, when we were doing <laughs> no. this fact. Uh, we had read the book. In fact, this was the early startup of the prophetic evangelism movement that was maybe 2001, early startup, and went on for a number of years. Now, you know, it's being done all over the world. It's kind of commonplace. But back then, right. uh, this was all brand new to them and to us. We were trying to figure it out. We were. I mean, I can remember both of us were down in San Antonio for a meeting down there. Remember that? We yeah. were at a picnic table. Absolutely. And we were going over, what's another word for, what's another word for, you know, and using all the Christian language and trying to figure out how do we talk to people like, and I don't know, it just it, you're right, it has evolved. And I now have a pretty good understanding. I mean, having done it, we've just continued on and through not just the Burning Man Festival, but we've done you know, pagan picnics in St. Louis. We've done gay pride and lesbian, you know, and and I did the Sundance Film Festival for how many years? I don't know, 15 or more. Exactly. And we even did a documentary out there on the streets. And 
they would have a thing called the Queer Lounge, which was for the same-sex uh, lifestyle. And we were welcomed in because we had no judgment. We didn't have any, you know, they're people. And, exactly. you know, I've, I've really come to understand the love of God and the how, how much he, it is his mercy and his kindness that leads people to him. And people are in situations or lifestyles for one reason or another. We don't know their backstory. We don't know what they've been through, walked through, or what they've been told, you know. But we know that the spirit of truth is resident on the inside of us. And uh, that's for them to find out and for their own journey. And when they experienced kindness and they experienced unconditional love, and I mean, where we didn't, we had no agenda. We weren't trying to get a notch in our belt or trying to get them into the kingdom. We were just trying to offer them an opportunity to realize that not only is God there, but he loves them. Yeah. He loves them no matter what. That's when they would open up to us and they would want more. And we would have some really great conversation about their life. God would give us words of knowledge. We would speak directly into their heart, just exactly even thoughts and things that they had thought that day, or uh, especially with a dream, a dream. They said, I just had this crazy dream just last night. I'm not a dreamer. I don't know why I had this. And my inner thought was always, well, I know why you yeah, had it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and wow. Because we're going to show up. Amazing. You just exactly. met a dream interpreter today. Wow. Exactly, yeah. I used to say that to people. I said, I haven't dreamed in 20 years. And I just had a dream last night. We're in Starbucks or somewhere, and and I go, amazing, wow! And I know. and you now you meet a dream interpreter. How amazing! And it's the Holy Spirit. Isn't it so cool? It's a setup, and the Lord is moving all the time. Now you go out on outreaches. Maybe people have seen me in Father of Lights, the video where I was doing an outreach in the in a, um, a nightclub in Hollywood or Venice Beach, and that's great. But you know, anymore, I just become an outreach. You know, and right. you just become an, you don't have to get permission from the mall or, you know, go get a booth. You can, or you could just show up. We call it free flowing, show up and yeah. watch for people. And it's just so amazing. It is. It is. And now with the burning man under my belt, so to speak, you know, or with that training, you know, seeing how people were so open who would never darken the door of a church and their lives were so much a train wreck for one reason or another, um, I began to go into the adult industry, the porn conventions. And that was a real shocker for me. I thought because of some of the things I'd heard from people at Burning Man and the way that, you know, they do and don't wear clothes out there. Um, I thought, oh, I could do this. You know, I can do this. But it was a new level of low. I had never been to anything like that. I was saved early in my 20s. I mean, when I was 20, actually, so I never had been a part of that lifestyle. I, I didn't know what went on in places like that, you know? Yeah. And um, my first team we took was about nine years ago, I think, and it was in Vegas. It was at their awards show, and I walked into the big arena, and I felt like all of the air left my lungs. I I couldn't breathe. I was hyperventilating. And I was leading a team. So I I was crying, too. I was weeping. Like, tears were rolling down my face. And I thought, I don't know if I can do this. 
I don't know if I can be in this environment. I don't know if I'm, maybe I'm, you know, I just took this chance and it just isn't for me or whatever. And um, there was a booth in the arena that year of an ex-porn star who had gotten saved. And she had a booth and she saw me coming down the the hall or the uh, booth, you know, where the booths are and stuff. And she saw me walking down the aisle and she pulled me over and she said, I'm going to pray for you. And I looked at her and it was like Jesus looking back at me. And I went, I don't know who you are, but okay. And she prayed for me and instantly I got my sea legs, like I got grounded and I was able to get perspective. And God told me, he said, this doesn't shock me. I've seen this. You know, you're seated with me up here in heavenly places. So just enter into my peace and let's just go. Like, I'll lead you and guide you. I'll give you the encounters and I'll tell you what to say, just like at Burning Man. And I spent four days in the arena, just interpreting dreams, being present, being a mom, giving out mom hugs just whatever. And I had girls literally following us around. They wanted more because we weren't a threat. We didn't want anything from them. And I was so blown away by their hunger and by their need for the healer from their brokenness and from their stories that they would tell me that I thought, this is a whole field. It's a whole new arena. And I don't see very many people in here who even have an answer or a a ray of hope to give anyone. And, you know, after four days in that, you feel like, (laughs) you feel like you need to take about 20 showers. You're like, I just got to get out of here. And, but God kept telling me, I, I really, I'm asking you to go back. And now we've been in there for eight or nine years. And it's funny too, because in, with dream interpretation as our way of, getting a conversation going, you would think they would tell us some really gross dreams or nasty dreams, but they don't. They tell us dreams about themselves, about their early life, about something they had when they were five years old or something that really meant something to them. And and God would give us the interpretation right on the spot. And it would be an identity revealer and who they really are and what they're really meant to do. And then they would grab onto my hand and they would say, please don't leave. Come back and see me again. Or um, I want to, I just want to hug you one more time. Or are you going to be here for the whole time? So now I have on my teams going into this arena, I probably have around 30 people, 30 to 35 people who go with me. And it's a huge arena. A lot of people in there, you've got not only the industry girls, you know, the young girls who've been tricked, I'm just going to say tricked into getting into this. And then you've got the fans and the fans are curious or they're, you know, they're, they're in there just to get some kind of a thrill or whatever. And we've had so many amazing God moments in that arena where the love of God swallowed up all of their other thoughts and agendas, you know, and they were awakened and they're like, I I need to get out. Like, I I don't want to do this anymore. 
Um, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. And so, you know, when I think about the cost and people would say, well, I'm not really called or I'm not comfortable going into those arenas. And I think, well, I'm not either. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, I'm not comfortable. At what point did this ever become about my comfort level? You know, Um, I'm not comfortable going in, but there's people in there. And their stories are from broken places, yeah. things that have happened to them in their early, early years. And some of them are, they're really young uh, people. They're young people, girls and guys. Yep. And um, so we've developed, it was like God said, I want you to develop community with people you've got nothing in common with. Wow. And I just said, I'll. I'll do it. You know, if your grace is there, if your favor's there, if this is what you're asking me to do, well, I'm not going to shrink back yep. because of my own fear, hurt, you know, shock. Right. Um, and I've done it. And it was funny. We were walking around. I think we've been in there around five years now. And I was walking around and I interpreted a dream for one of the girls. And she goes, well, you've watched my videos. And I, I stood there shocked and I looked at her and my other two people that were with me started laughing and I said I've never watched your videos I I said I'm not into porn and she said well why are you here and I said I'm here for you (laughs) Mm. and I never it never entered into my mind that they thought I would watch their video I I never thought of it it never even occurred to me that that was so Anyway, you know, what's interesting now, um, you do have something in common. You know, the Lord said, I want you to go to these people you don't have anything in common with. But then once we got in there, now I didn't go into those shows, but it doesn't matter. You know, if we're on Venice Beach in a nightclub, it doesn't matter where we are. We run into people, many of them, and especially when we were, we started out in the new age. Uh, that was our first, uh, you know, we were missionaries to the new age and then it, it expanded out and out and out. But we found out there's a lot of people in those places that are backslidden Christians, grew up in a Christian home, pastors' kids. Yes. 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 We actually have video of one of the girls who volunteered that information. Yeah. Um, we interpreted a dream for her, and she said, I'm from a pastor's family. And I thought she said a Baptist family. Uh-huh. And I said, you're from a Baptist family? And she goes, no, a pastor's family. I said, oh, you're a PK. Yeah. And it arrested her attention. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I know you. Exactly. And, um, I just want to say this. If you think what we're doing is out there and too much for you, you don't feel called to it. I've heard that so many times. All you need to do is have one encounter. Ask God to give you one encounter and you will be hooked or you'll change your mind about this. And you don't have to be an evangelist to do this. And people say, oh, I'm an intercessor. You know, I'll just stay here in the inside the church and hold the fort down. I'm like, you know, the fort has been held down for centuries, you know. Come out with this and be, right. an, be an outer intercessor. We would take intercessors into outer places, you know. And we have these encounters that you're almost getting me to cry. I mean, I, I was crying, I'll be honest. <laughs> I was crying when I was remembering some of those encounters. And that changes your heart. And if you have someone in your family who's backslidden, or maybe they grew up in church, or maybe they never knew the Lord, 
and they're out there, they're on drugs, maybe they're in a lifestyle that you don't agree with, pray that they meet us. Pray that pray that you right. get a word for them. Maybe you don't have to have them meet us, but people that, who are open and able to accept them and love them and, and care for their wounds, because that's what it's all about. Now, was there a turning point in uh, for you? Like there's something uh, that changed everything, you know, for you in this ministry? Yeah. Uh, well, I've always had it on my heart. I mean, from the time I got saved, I wanted everyone else to know. So I knew that was really where my, that's what lit my fire, yeah. you know, is just to be able to tell other people. But the way I was doing it, that's where God really had to train me. He had to teach me differently. And for me, the turning point was I felt like at Burning Man, we've been out there 14 years now, and um, I felt like I was taking a squirt gun to a fire. I felt like the laborers are few. We don't have that many people out here. You know, now, I think this year alone, it's going on right now, by the way, and um, my theme camp is out there, but I'm not there. And uh, But uh, there's 90,000 people that gather. And for me, the turning point was, I thought, you know, you have only got one shot at this on the earth. You've only got one shot at life. It's like you're, you're going to be in heaven and live in there for the rest of eternity. So while you're here, what do you want to do? And you can do it afraid if you need to, you know, you can do it afraid. Mm. And I think that's where I just thought then I'm going to go and I'm going to try stuff and I'm going to give it up, give myself, make myself available, you know, where I can kind of be like a conduit of the presence of God or the Holy Spirit to fill me up and change the atmosphere in a room. And then lives are impacted. People are rescued. I know, I mean, there's been so many points of turning points for me over the years since we, you know, we did the prophetic stuff early on. And, but last year alone in the adult industry, there was a, a group there, a, a company where they'd had five suicides in one year of girls who were in the industry. And it was another turning point for me. And it was another, almost a moment of determination or increased determination to say, no matter how weary or how tired or how frustrating it can be to see, you know, these beautiful people in this place giving it up for nothing in return, really. And when I hear that we had a chance to speak into their lives or interpret a dream for them or give them a hug or, or let them feel God's love and tell them it was him before they ended their lives, that that's a turning point for me. That's worth it for me. There's been several of them now that have ended their lives early, but some of them we have on film that we know we interpreted a dream and we were able to tell them about, about God in a way that they could receive him and his love and his kindness. I don't know what they did at the end of their lives. One of our team members, she actually is very good at, at getting personal information, whether it be an email or cell phone or a text or something. And um, we had just come off outreach and this girl's name kept coming up in her mind over and over and over again. 
And finally, she had gotten her cell phone. They'd exchanged phone numbers. They gave each other their phone number. And she texted this girl and said, you have been on my mind all day long. Like, I don't know why your name just keeps coming up in my mind. And she said, it's interesting that you got a hold of me right now because I've just checked myself into a hotel to kill myself. And she said, well, hang on, don't do that yet. <laughs> and the, the girl that was in the industry had called herself a white witch. And she said, let me tell you that God is the one who was bringing you up in my mind all this time. That's why I got a hold of you. That's who I listened to. And she said, well, that's just like you Christians, you know, you bait and switch. And she went off and she goes, hold up. He said, wait a minute. She goes, how many of your witch friends got a hold of you? And the girl didn't have an answer. <laughs> and she said, I'm not trying to judge you. I don't, I never judged you for being a witch. You know, this is my life. And I just expect you not to judge me either. And let's just have a conversation for a minute. And she was able to let her know, like, this is where this came from. That's why you kept coming up in my mind. And we made a connection. And this is, this is who told me to, to get a hold of you. Yeah. Well, she didn't end up killing herself. And she Thank was God. actually at the event the next year. And they had a connection. I mean, those things, those kinds of things, yes, they're turning points for me. You bet. And and I also feel that, and I know you feel this way too, Doug, that, you know, if we can just get out into where the real problems are, where the real situations are, we've got porn affecting children as young as five and six years old. Their, Their parents are drug addicted. They have no guidance. They've got no morals. They've got men living at the house and they're being sexually abused or whatever. And when you get into the arena where you make yourself available for God, depression that would settle in over us as Christians and just feeling hopeless or feeling like we don't know what we're doing, all of that leaves. I mean, I've been... It's been a joke, a standing joke with some of my friends that they say, well, Cindy McGill thinks outreach cures everything, you know, it's a cure for everything. And I said, well, it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you Getting get outside yourself. yourself. Exactly. Yeah. What I love yeah. is, is that the, here's the shift that I've seen is that the goal is not to lead someone to Jesus because that's what's expected. And we found early on that many of them had made decisions, and decisions don't make disciples. And Jesus said, go make disciples. Exactly. Don't go make decisions. Now, it used to work, but it doesn't work like that anymore. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hearing here is that you're not judging a successful time based on how many salvations you got. No. Mm-mm. No, because I've noticed that when people make a decision in their heart to accept Jesus for themselves, this is their life, right? It's not my life. I've already done it. Um, and when they've done it, places like Burning Man, where there's freedom to receive an encounter with the Holy Spirit, ask who this is, and then accept Jesus in their heart, they literally tell me everything that accompanies salvation. So I don't have to lead them in a sinner's prayer. I don't have to tell them that they're sinners and they're going to hell. I don't have to say any of those things. They tell me. I feel like my lungs just cleared up. I feel like the fog has left my head. I feel like if the sky is blue and the 
you know, the, the grass is green. I feel like there's something new. Yeah. I feel like weight has fallen off of my back. Yeah. And I don't have that heaviness anymore on me. And they tell me everything that accompanies a salvation experience. And then we explain to them who that is that just set them free. Yeah. So the difference then is not we're try- not trying to convince them in their mind like we used to do, but and convince them in the spirit by letting them experience it. And yeah. it, it's just a whole new ball game when you do that. It takes a lot of pressure off you too. You know, do an outreach yeah. too. There's no real right or wrong or goals. You know, you don't have to do a certain thing, and and it's all about what the Lord wants to do. And, and I call it the gift of showing up. You just show up. Yeah. Look around. It's everywhere. I, I tell you, you go to the mall right now. You're going to sit there. You sit there and pray. Well, you know, the Lord prompts you to go over and talk to somebody. I can't tell you how many times myself or teams we went over and someone was there to buy a suit for their father's funeral. Or right. they were going to kill themselves, decided to, but their air conditioner broke, so they came to the mall instead. It was really weird stuff because yeah. uh, the Lord's just, you know, He just wants to do things with people. And so it is a paradigm shift in what we're talking about. So, anything you could suggest to people, you know, how to get started in this or what's the next steps for us? Well, I think that, you know, you and I both, we do training. Because we've learned this from the ground up. I mean, seriously, it's like this is a whole new arena. I would have never expected to be doing what I'm doing right now. But I had to um, unlearn. (laughs) I'll just talk about that because I was, you know, I was saved in the Jesus movement. So we learned a lot of things. I went to Bible school, you know, and then I was in a ministry, um, Agape Force, you know, which was a radical discipleship type thing and um, from my early 20s. And we learned a lot of things. We learned a lot. And we had some great teachers and great people who instructed us. And we lived it out. You know, we lived it out. Then we pastored for a number of years and that kind of thing, because that's just what you did. But this began to take me into, I think, a more heartfelt and definitely a a deeper place in God where there was no manual for this. I I didn't have teachers to train me how to do what we're doing right now. And I know you didn't either. It's like we had to learn and lean heavily on the Holy Spirit to teach us how and what to do and what our next step was and where our next event was going to be and who he wanted on the team and how we work together in unity, which is a huge thing for me on my teams. We have a no disunity clause. Like you can't be sideways with anyone else on the team because the moment that you do, you've opened up a, a hole or a spot for Satan to come in and divide and conquer. Yeah. So we have a no disunity. I don't care if you disagree with people on any level, you can't voice it while you're on outreach. Yeah. You can voice it after. You're off the field. And some of these um, have been some real learning points for me where I've had to learn how to be a servant leader. And if the anointing is on someone else, I stand back and allow that team member to take over and give what they're learning or they're hearing God tell them to say. And I become the intercessor at that point, you know, where I'm now covering them. 
Right. And it's not about who leads or who's the most knowledgeable. I just think there's some things that we've picked up and learned over the years now that are relevant for today and for our culture and the world we now live in. Yeah. And um, one of the major things that has been the most upsetting is that, you know, I know Bob Jones, he was, his whole message was, did you learn how to love? And we've had to re-understand that. And God has taught us how to love. He's taught us how to, you know, be motivated like Jesus fuel. His literal fuel was he was moved with compassion. That's why he did what he did and he said what he said and he went where he went. Yeah. He was moved by compassion. And I've learned and have had the opportunity to be a partaker of that divine nature. And I can feel compassion rise up on me and love in my heart. And my whole heart will like start beating differently when I know I'm getting ready to have an encounter with someone that God knew I was going to run into. Like he set the whole thing up. It was the setup. Yeah. It was a setup from heaven. And so, you know, I've just had to learn a completely different way. People don't need to hear, you know, people that are without God that are living in darkness don't need to hear you're in darkness. They don't need to hear you're a sinner. They don't need to hear, you know, you're involved in same sex. So therefore you're, you know, they don't need to hear any of that. What they need to hear is that you have a, you have a loving father. You've got the love of God doesn't know any limits. It doesn't know where to stop. It's immeasurable in reaching and compassion and mercy are top on the list yep. when it comes to breathing life into someone who feels like they can't even find a rope or any kind of life preserver to hang on to and they're drowning. Yeah. And they just need someone who will learn to listen to hear instead of listen to respond. Sometimes people just need to be heard. Exactly. They're looking for anyone who will listen. And it it lowers a bridge of trust into the heart of the person where now they feel like you didn't come at me with pointing a finger or making me feel bad about myself when I told you these things. So I'm going to tell you more. And then we have an open invitation to begin to communicate the unconditional and unwavering and unchanging love of God and the kindness of God that leads people to change. Yeah. And now of course, in the, porn conventions in the adult industries, people recognize us and they want us. They, they actually meet us sometimes at the door when we're walking in because they know we're a safe place yep. for them That's, and they're getting healed gradually Yeah, and they're making decisions gradually. Right. It mm -hmm. takes time. We found that it takes time and you have to be willing to back down. I love the thing you said. The most powerful part of learning this is unlearning you know, and, and you and I both went out training the church for years. First thing we did to do is unlearn what they think should have happened, you know, and, and try to get people to stop trying to lead everyone to Jesus and start slowing down and find out what that Jesus story already is in their life, you know, because there's always what, right. you know, what, it, what it's already there. The, the Holy Spirit's put a deposit in them somewhere. They've had a dream. They've had something happen to them that you come in then 
has the spirit-filled interpreter of those signs. And it's, a, it's so, so amazing. Why don't you pray over us now and activate this in us? Okay. Yeah, well, Lord, we just want to thank you, God, that you've awakened us and you're continuing to awaken us to your understanding of the mysteries that you've had hidden for so long. And now, Jesus, we just want to thank you that you will reformat us. We're asking, God, that you would uh, refashion us. We put ourselves back on the potter's wheel, and we're asking you, God, to remove things from us that don't belong there, and you'll add new things to us, God, that do belong there. And God, that you would give us a deeper understanding, even in our prayer time with you and our quiet time with you, Lord. And and as we understand what your love is for the people that we're reaching out to, we're also understanding the love that you have for us. And God, that we are also, we are so loved by you. And we thank you for that. We don't take that for granted. And I ask you, God, to activate us into um, a new awakening, God. As, as we're moving into new seasons and new times that are in your time clock, God, right now, that you would awaken us and give us opportunity to hear you better, to hear you more clearly, to change and, and wash over the hard parts of our heart. And you'd uh, soften us, God, for yes, the Lord. mission ahead, that you would give us your understanding, your ideas, that you would download us with waves and and new anointings and new uh just a new impartation of the holy spirit that we can really move in sync with you god that we will move in step with you and i thank you god i thank you for the opportunities you've given us i thank you for removing fear i thank you for removing um you know every kind of of apprehension and I can't do this and any excuse, God, I'm asking you to remove that from us and that you would give us the green light to go into all the world and preach the gospel in your way, the way that people need to hear, listening closely to you, to every creature. Yes, And God, make disciples that we can actually reach them and, and teach them about you, Jesus, and your goodness, because you're so good. And God, that you've forgiven us of so many things and continue to forgive us, God. Yes. I'm asking you to remove depression and oppression from your people. God, I ask you, Lord, that you would awaken us to your light and your life, God. And I thank you that you're stationing angels around every one of us to keep us from the oppression and the oppressive one who would try and steal, kill, and destroy us or any part of your body, God. I thank you for strengthening the leaders that you've raised up and raise up more. And God, I thank you for my friend, Doug. I thank you for his ministry, God, that you're going to continue to expand him. You're going to launch him forward like a, a, a arrow that's been hidden in the quiver into this next season. And he's going to go farther than he ever thought he would. And all the opposition and all the stuff that's come against him, God, you saw it happening, but he stood strong and God, you're going to take him out and you're going to shoot him. Like an arrow shot forth, you're going to have a major impact in this next season that we're entering into. It is going to explode all over you. So I just thank you, God, for my friend, Doug. I thank you for partners in a good kind of crime (laughs) and partners in the kingdom, taking it down, bringing the kingdom to everyone who is willing to hear you. 
And so, yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's powerful. That's cool. Uh, wow. <laughs> we've been talking with, with <laughs> we've been talking with Cindy McGill, and it's been such a blessing to hear the stories from the front lines. But not only that, to hear the invitation that you can be part of this. How do we get a hold of you? Your website, follow you on social media, maybe even what you offer. You have any training or courses or books? I do. I have a training. It's a all day training. It's a Saturday training and I call it a, a get to know you or it's like, let's get the foundations down. It's a freedom lounge training. We've got three tiers. Uh, the second one is a invitation of a, a training and a small outreach in conjunction so that I can know you, you can know me and I can see if you're a fit for one of the more extreme outreaches. And then the, the third one is, a full blown outreach into some of these areas that we've talked about. And I go with you and we become a team at that point. And then there's training in the morning. So we go in, we navigate the area. Uh, we uh, use the, the different strategies and things that God has given us. And we come back at night and we decompress, we work through, you know, any kind of obstacles, anything hurdles or, anything like that. We find, uh, I love it because you can find your strength yeah. in there. It's like not, hmm. not until you get in there. Do you know what you're operating with? You don't even know what you've got, what you're packing, you know? Right. And so I love to do those because I'm very relational and I like to, um, like when we go on outreach to Vegas or like we just did one in Miami and we rent like a vacation rental by owner. So we all stay in the same house. So you get real personal training and you get the opportunity of the outreach and all the the questions answered and whatever else you might need. So the first one is on my website, cindymcgill.org, O-R-G, make sure it's org. And they'll have the three levels of training in there. And uh, then, of course, I always teach the dream course if you just want that. But to me, I want to teach it all. Like if you're going to use dreams, well, you can learn to interpret dreams, but you need to learn how to communicate the dream that you've been given or the interpretation to the person. And that has the Freedom Lounge training, how to treat one another, how to be respectful, how to have the character and the fruit of the spirit. Because Jesus said, they're going to know you because of your fruit, not your gifts. And, you know, gifts are given and fruit is grown. Yeah, so exactly. um, I, I go over character stuff and you know, get over yourself and let go of your own filter. Let's get your filter clean so yep. that when you're you're ministering, you're not ministering out of a dirty filter or something that were your own offense or your own hurt. And uh, I talk about team dynamics a lot. And I I have a, a real simple little thing that we do on our outreaches. They have wristbands that have words of encouragement. God downloaded me with that at the porn convention. And we had a wheel that matched the colors. And we would place it on the person's wrist and say, this is your future forecast. Wow. And um, they would just get blown away. We had, we had, at the porn convention in Vegas, we had them three and four uh, lined up it, blocking the aisle to spin the wheel to get a wristband with their words on it. And so we, we teach you how to use those, but how to also be kind. Mm. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't take people with me that aren't kind. I won't take people with me who don't know how to love and won't won't pass judgment on people and won't be confrontational and 
and hateful. I just won't take them. I, I, I can't do that. You know, Jesus taught me myself. He said, you can't take cheap shots with my friends. Wow. And people that don't know him are friends to Jesus. And he said, if you can behave and you can treat them <laughs> like I do, yeah. I'll introduce you to my friends. Right. But if you treat them badly or you treat them poorly, I won't introduce you to my friends. Hmm. So um, anyway, that's that's where the training is. And then, of course, I'm on Instagram and um, I have a public Facebook and a private one, too. And then I just did, you know, both of us have done articles for Elijah List. I love those guys. I love Steve and Doreen Schultz. They're just wonderful. And I've done some podcasts. I've done some live shows for Beyond Reality Radio, which has been fun with the Ghost Hunter, oh, yeah. um, Jason Haas. Yeah. And uh, that's been a kick. That's like at two in the morning, you know, and I've probably done them four times and we have some fun stuff on there. So wow. I've got those recorded shows and well, video. You can look at all that. I am so proud of you. I'm so grateful for you. <laughs> And you've been doing the stuff for a long, long time, forging forward, no matter what people say or think or speak about you. And so I just want to bless you and thank you so much, Cindy and your husband, Tim McGill. And if you guys (laughs) saw them, you know, they sound really, really, really radical when they are, but they look like pastors, you know, when you meet them. Because they are, they've been (laughs) pastors of the churches and they just really... I have a heart for people, and I really love you guys. All right, be sure to check love out all that they have and check out org and get together, get some training, follow her, get encouraged. All right, everybody, see you soon. Thanks for listening to Spirit Connection with Doug Addison. Connect with him online at dougaddison.com.